Hi, I'm Isa Kwonga. And I'm Ryan Hun. And we co-host Stadio, a football podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. If you like soccer or football, make sure you search for Stadio, a football podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. This episode is brought to you by Netflix, presenting The Crown, as the beloved series bids farewell. Deserving of praise on every level, says New York Magazine. Throughout its groundbreaking six-season run, The Crown has featured three different casts, earned 273 award nominations, and secured 70 award wins, including outstanding drama series. Critics rave, The Crown secures its place in the pantheon of television history. From creator and writer Peter Morgan, the final season stars Imelda Staunton, Dominic West, and SAG Award winner Elizabeth Debicki. The Crown, for your Emmy consideration in all categories. It is Wednesday, January 3rd. Happy New Year. Movie star Power took a big hit this year because of the actors' strike. A bunch of films with big stars like Dune 2 and Challengers with Zendaya were pushed to 2024. And then a bunch of movies came out in the summer and fall with no actors allowed to even talk about them. We've talked about some of the losers from the strike on the show before. But even with all those challenges, we did see some movie stars rise and fall this year. Even over the holidays, Timothy Chalamet got a big boost from Wonka, my favorite movie, which is at about $400 million worldwide and counting. It's a big success. That's an IP-driven project, but I think it really helps with the perception in town that Chalamet matters when opening a movie now. Same with Anyone But You, the Glenn Powell and Sidney Sweeney rom-com. It's a real test for them, and it's doing okay in theaters, about $30 million over the holidays. This is a movie that many thought should have just gone to streaming. This year, there were big tests for the names we all know, the Margot Robbies, the Jenna Ortegas, and a bunch of names you may not know. I asked some sources at the talent agencies to give me their updated lists of the young actors getting the most offers or who are on the studio lists of desirable hires. The under 35 crowd, not the established stars. I don't need to tell you that Brad Pitt and Sandra Bullock still matter to the studios. The responses were interesting, though, and not all the names you'd think. So today we've got Justin Kroll in here. He covers casting and new projects at Deadline, so it's kind of his job to know who's up for the biggest roles. We're going to debate a few categories. This is maybe not the most data-driven episode of this show, but it's a fun one, and I think this stuff is very hard to quantify, so we're going to attempt to do that today. It's the year in movie star power. Who's up and who's down? From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Justin Kroll, senior reporter at Deadline and a chronicler of castings and project news. He knows as much as anyone about what actors are doing, so he is the perfect person to talk to about the year in star power, especially young star power. Welcome, Justin. Great to be back on. It's, uh, it's That's right. Good. You, you are a returning year. champion. You were about rises and fallers last year and then Oscar bumps, and now here we are again. We're going to do some categories here because obviously the strike screwed everything up this year. And we did an episode about victims of the strike and some of the actors that had pretty big projects come out that they weren't even allowed to talk about 
during the strike and the impact that might have on their careers. But I mean, it's pretty clear that everybody was impacted, projects delayed, stuff coming out without promotion. We're not talking about that today. There, there did manage to be some successful projects and some big swings that didn't work. So we're going to talk about the power of the under 35, shall we say, star set. We don't need to talk about Brad Pitt. We don't need to talk about Julia Roberts. We need to talk about the next crop of stars, if that even means anything. So let's go to the first category of who made an impact this year. Let's actually start with what's going on right now. Go to the award season. Because obviously the award season is a big catapult for stars. You look at people who have leveraged the award season, people like Lupita Nyong'o or Miles Teller or last year Austin Butler. It really can give you a bump, even if you don't win. I mean, it's great if you do win, but Austin Butler didn't end up winning. And I think he benefited hugely from the awards campaign for Elvis last year. So who is the award season winner so far among the young actor set charles melton yeah i would agree it's pretty clearly charles melton one of the stars of may december he holds his own opposite julianne moore natalie portman and he's great in the movie i've seen it and this is a guy who was on riverdale well that's the interesting thing and you mentioned austin butler and and then zadiah those people had like shows from the past that they now have this following but now they're proving themselves in the serious actor mode. And the wild thing is, execs were trying to make the stars of Riverdale like the next movie stars. And they, and, and they for the most part, didn't work. And I think Melton, he's not even like a star of that show. He was like the second tier. But he's the one that comes out. Yeah, he's great. 32 years old. I, I mean, it takes one role, right? I mean, this is a, a role of a lifetime for him because it takes him from teen soap and puts him on the prestige track. And that's the Austin Butler path. And it's, you know, the Zendaya path. And the question is, what is he doing with that? What has he got up next? And that's the thing is like with the strike of it all, you know, he hasn't had a real chance to dive into it. You're not hearing him quite as much. But I do feel like at the top of the year, his name is going to be on every list. He's winning every critic award right now. In the past, that hasn't led to an Oscar. But it does help your nomination. And, and honestly, like you said, even if he doesn't win, I have Downey right now in that role. Yeah. Oh, he'll get nominated. That's the win. Yeah, that's the win. And it's, it's like Paul Mezcal and Austin last year, where they used that to leverage it and get the big stuff. I mean, that was a, like, you look last year, Paul Mezcal, no one really knows. He starts like climbing up the ladder with uh, like the movie he got nominated for. And he lands Gladiator too. Anyone else even in the conversation for Young Star leveraging award season? You know what? The holdovers. Divine Joy Randolph. She's like the front runner. By the way, Divine Joy Randolph is 37, um, as is Lily Gladstone, who could actually win for Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, but uh, Dominic Sessa, who's the kid in the actual movie opposite Paul Giamatti. Like, I, I don't know if he gets nominated, so to speak, but he's certainly the one face in that, the younger star coming up. Yeah, Dominic Sessa is fantastic in The Holdovers. That guy has zero credits other than this movie on his IMDb. It's like bare. He's a, a student at Carnegie Mellon. And I think this is going to be huge for him. Also, Barry Keegan, I think we should probably mention. I know he's been in a couple Oscar movies now. But Saltburn, while well, it's pretty polarizing, everyone thinks he's great in it. He's getting a ton of attention. And he will be the Joker in the Batman sequel. So he's got that lined up. I want to go into the next one because I have a list. You know, I polled the agencies and kind of 
saw who they are thinking about on these lists for roles. And there are some that were mentioned that have kind of, I feel like, took steps back this year. Obviously, Craig's Girl, Anna de Armas, had the Chris Evans Apple movie that was terrible, ghosted, and that's not going to help her. I feel like there were other actresses, like uh, Saoirse Ronan is another one who's sort of been out of the mix. Um, you know, where do you stand on Florence Pugh right now? Well, Florence, again, uh, like, I feel as if what she has ahead of her, she has the Thunderbolts movie, which is a, a big thing at Marvel. That's basically their Suicide Squad type of movie. That's a big, big pop for her. She has the East of Eden limited series. Also in Oppenheimer, I think if that movie ends up with a Oscar sweep, she could get a random nomination even for that one. I still feel like Florence has some pull and, and again, had a, you know a little bit to do with the, the strike with all some of these things that are going to be pushed a beat. So I'm not as down on her, but Saoirse Ronan and their like bizarre roles. I was just looking through credits. It's like, where has she been? She goes and does this thing called Foe, with that, that this Garth Davis movie, uh, the director of Lion, Amazon releases. It. It's like this sci-fi love story. It's her and Paul Mezcal. Yeah, that's not bad. You don't get faulted for doing a movie with Paul Mezcal. No, not at all. But I do feel as if it's just, it's like, did you know about that movie? Like it, it I did not. <laughs> but I mean, you could say that about half these Amazon and Apple movies. I mean, doing a movie for Apple is basically like doing summer stock theater. You could just have it come out and nobody will ever know. I mean, listen, there's like the salt burns in the airs that get a lot of talk. But like this faux thing has all this like awards appeal, which is probably why she does it. And it's just like, you know, a tree that falls in the woods. Like, no, did anyone hear it fall? Yeah, sometimes that's good, though. I'm sure Anna de Armas wishes that nobody saw Ghosted, but it's got an Avenger in it, and people pay attention when there's an Avenger in a movie. In Saoirse's case, she still is all these Oscar noms, and she can rebound right away. But like, if you looked at Mezcal, that film doesn't do anything, but then he has this other film with Andrew Scott that's in the awards mix, and like, it doesn't affect his trajectory at all. And then next year, he'll have Gladiator 2. But the Saoirse thing, I've heard stuff she's passed on, Ooh, what has she passed on? Big roles? She passed Florence role in Black Widow, the sister. Like, Marvel has not been her cup of tea and was not interested. Although that's kind of smart these days. I mean, let's talk about Marvel, because you always cite it as the end-all, be-all of whether you, if you want to be a relevant young star, you got to attach yourself in some way to a Marvel franchise. With Marvel not what it was and trying to reboot itself, do you think that Marvel still is the end-all, be-all for young stars? Or is it something to perhaps avoid these days? For established stuff, like if X-Men rolled around and they were, went out to, and a young star was at the opportunity to play Wolverine or Cyclops, that's different. But you're, you're probably right. Like pre-COVID, it was untouchable. There, you couldn't write a bad story about it. You could, like Everything was gold. And now everything from like, hit pieces to like their first big firing earlier this year with Victoria Alonso. It's just films failing like the Marvels. If you are Jacob Elordi's agent or Jenna Ortega's agent, are you steering them into Marvel or steering them away? Because at this point, like Jacob Elordi is a good one to talk about. This guy has done the prestige thing. He needs a hit. He needs my mom to know who he is. He's got the young girls, but he needs people in the broader ecosystem to know who he is. So Superman has been cast. I don't want to get into David Cornsweat just yet, just because he, he doesn't have much to go off of. But Alordi was up for it. 
And he's just like, I'm good. This is not right for me right now. Does Salt burn the Wait, sh- he was up for it and then he wasn't? Like, don't you well, have that there was, there was conversation like, with yourself before you put yourself up? Like, you have to submit a test and he was just like, I'm not doing it. Like, guys, I'm good. I just don't feel this is right right now. And then this year, he has Priscilla, where he plays Elvis Presley. Not a hit, but it was a hit in the so- the A24 land. Made more than The Whale. Okay, but that's not saying much. Again, Prestige, not a hit. Not a broad mainstream hit. No, sure, but I- I'm more or less wondering, like, do you think that film made more money because of Kaylee Spaney, Sofia Coppola, or because of Lordy? Because I think the, there's enough of Lordy hive that got there. But you're right. Yeah, maybe. We'll never know. Jenna Ortega is on the most popular Netflix show of all time. <laughs> yeah. She quit her movie franchise, Scream. And now, you know, who knows how long she'll be on Wednesday. And she's probably looking at a film career. What do you do with her? Would you put her in Marvel? Well, they, she's Beetlejuice too. She'll play the daughter of Winona Oh, Rock. that's right. Oh, so she's doing the franchise thing. All right. So that's a big role. But again, she's not the thing there. That's the smart play is like she's into that and she's a, like teaming with Tim Burton again. But I'm going to see that because of Keaton coming back and Ortega's in it. So there isn't the risk there. I don't know, man. You're not a 20 year old girl. I think Jenna Ortega is the lure, not Michael Keaton. But I do feel like the, there isn't as much pressure on her. When I, when I, if that film weren't to work, are you going to blame Ortega? No, you're going to blame Burton. No, that is. Yeah. It's, and, and these days you don't as an agent, you don't get fired if you don't get blamed. Exactly. And you don't get blamed for putting Jenna Ortega in the Winona Ryder role opposite Michael Keaton in an established franchise by its marquee director. And then Ortega's also got on a new film at A24 with, that The Weeknd actually pitched with the director of the film Waves. Wait, The Weeknd is acting again? Yep. No. We just did a whole episode talking about how he should take a few years off. Is this real or is this a BS announcement to get financing? No, the film, I think the film already shot in March. It finished. It was Trey Edward Schultz who directed Waves that got a lot of play. It's an idea from the weekend. We know how that's not the greatest. Oh thing. God. And who and who's in it? Who's the woman in it? And Jenna Ortega. It's it's uh the weekend. Oh no. And Barry Keegan. Oh no. Are we sure that the weekend isn't just on a mission to bring down all of Hollywood's hot young new stars? Like he kind of did a number on Lily Rose Depp, and now he's moving on to Barry Keegan and Jenna Ortega? Here's the important thing, and this is like where it goes to the mess call having multiple things in the, the slate, is she has Beetlejuice too. So if Beetlejuice works and this A24 thing, I don't even know if it comes out next year. I'm just saying it's on the, the docket. If the A24 thing doesn't work, unlike Lily Rose, she can just be like, well, Beetlejuice is right there, and then Wednesday is around the corner. So there's enough things with like enough people intrigued by it where even if the A24 thing fails, again, Weekend probably gets the blame again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already blaming him. I'm pre-blaming him, having not seen any materials on this thing. Did not know it existed until you mentioned it. This episode is brought to you by Netflix, presenting The Crown, as the beloved series bids farewell. Deserving of praise on every level, says New York Magazine. Throughout its groundbreaking six-season run, The Crown has featured three different casts, earned 273 award nominations, and secured 70 award wins, including outstanding drama series. Critics rave, The Crown secures its place in the pantheon of television history. From creator and writer Peter Morgan, the final season stars Imelda Staunton, Dominic West, and SAG Award winner Elizabeth Debicki. The Crown, for your Emmy consideration in all categories. 
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so next category, we sort of strayed here. What is the most bizarre role choice by a young rising star? This was more of like the swing and miss thing, but the Lily Rose Depp, in the moment with The weekend and Sam where they were, that was a, a role to, to pop on. And ultimately, it, it faltered away. Now, not to her fault, because during the production, things changed drastically. But it, it is something where you're like, if you're her team, are you like, you know, just see this right on the wall? Like, do you just do the safer movie? Now, she does have Nosferatu next year with Robert Eggers, Starry Cast. Eggers is an interesting one, but at the same time, it gives Edge. She'll be front and center of that. And I feel that's like a good chance to rebound. Like Anya Taylor on The Witch skyrocketed after working with Eggers. So I'm curious about that one. But yeah, the, the idol thing... Looking back, when Lily was a name that was on every list, um, people were really into her. I don't think the idol ultimately will hurt her long term. No, no, no. This goes back to like when Variety was doing their all their kind of ripping it apart a little bit. They never picked on her. It was always Sam in the weekend. They were the ones like with the knives out. The media is different, though, than the executive suite. Maybe people might hold it against her, but I don't think so. I don't. And then like she's trying to do more darker adult things and not the like rom-com, not even like a slasher film like Jenna's done. She's doing like, like Nosferatu is like an art house horror film in a way with a good cast and stuff. The idol is like on the kind of like the euphoria play. I mean, she's doing the exact opposite a little bit of Ortega, whether it works. Justin, what do you think about Sydney Sweeney doing Madam Web just as Marvel is well, kind of it's not bad. out yet, so it's hard for me to... Yeah, but it's still a choice. Like when she made this decision, the trailer's out now. Are you like, this is a good move for her as a rising star? I'm not going to get into the preview challenge because Bellany fell into that trap on Wonka. And now I did <laughs> look where we are now. <laughs> we haven't even talked about Timmy yet. Everyone wants to jump on the trailers. Again, that's not Sydney's movie. It's Dakota Johnson's. Like whether Sydney gets shrapnel for that is a whole nother thing. But like she's got her rom-com coming out with Glenn Powell. That will be an interesting one just to see like. This was something Matt wanted her to do. And then she ended up last year. He wanted the rom-com on her slate. And the, uh, ironically, out of all the films she announced, this is the first one out of the gate. I think it's a smart move. And it honestly, is. like she maybe got more bounce out of the months-long press tour for this movie, which seemingly, with the <laughs> strike pause, seems like it's been going on forever. How this film is not coming out on like Valentine's Day or something? like, it, like And they're doing Christmas. like, Who's going to a rom-com? I don't know. That's like a di distribution question, but like... Yeah, you're not taking your Aunt Sophie to a rom-com on Christmas Eve? Yeah, I mean, it's the same as like, why is Warner Brothers releasing all those films at once? But like, I guess it's like a strike thing where it's just like, we're going to get one winner, so we'll, we'll have one win to hang our hat on. Challengers was supposed to be the big fall movie for young yeah. people. Zendaya, Josh O'Connor, Mike Feist, that's been pushed. I feel like with that has gone the bump for certainly the two guys, but I feel like all three of them were counting on that. O'Connor was the year. one because he looked so different in that trailer from his Prince Charles stuff. I'm very curious where they go from there, but it was just so different than what he was as the squirmy Prince Charles. 
that I'm like, okay, this guy can do both of those things. So to be determined on that front, but yeah, that was the one guy, you know, that would have been a big barometer and what, where he goes. And we'd have to wait on that one. I don't know. I'd buy stock on both those guys. I feel like they're going to get chances. I mean, everybody forgets about West Side Story. Mike was really good in that. Oh, yeah. I don't think people forgot. I mean, Ariana DeBose, like, is everywhere now. I mean, she was the Oscar winner, but Mike Feist got a lot of attention as well. I mean, Tom Blythe is kind of the guy out of that because no one knew who he was. But Zegler, you know, I know the Sonoite thing is catching a lot of heat, but it, it does help her that the Hunger Games... That film gets over $300 million. I, You know, Lionsgate's going to look to, like, franchise that, I feel like. Oh, yeah, they're doing another one for sure. So she's now got a franchise. That's good for her. She starred in West Side Story. She's got another franchise in Snow White coming out. It was pushed a year, but it will come out. And I think this noise is sort of overrated. They'll keep her in line, and they'll be able to market it. Uh, where are you on Glenn Powell? He reminds me of the Ryan Reynolds. Because if you remember, Reynolds had, like, the block prior to Deadpool where he is around, but he just like was not what he was and what he is now. He was doing rom-coms. Yeah, he was doing rom-coms, but he's also doing like weird stuff like that Weinstein film or I forget it was with Helen Mirren about the like art thief or something. He, he had some odd choices of what he was doing. He did that um R.I.P.D., which like almost killed his career. Oh, um, yeah. That I was a rough that. one. Like, that was tough. But like Powell, I feel like because he's so well-liked, not just like people wanting to go see the movies, but like execs really like him. He has Twister on top of the um, the rom-com with Sidney Sweeney. That, that It's a sequel. And then he's doing movie. a Richard Linklater movie. And, he, and the Hitman. Well, and that's the other thing too, is he's got like ties with good directors. Remember, he did the um, college baseball movie that I loved years ago. Everybody Wants Some, right? Everybody Wants Some was awesome. And he's, he's fantastic in that. And having like, like I, I would like him to try to do more edgier stuff. Try to like, find his way into like a Fincher film down the road or something, whatever that may be, or get in with like Paul Greengrass. You know, Universal just came out that they're doing another Born. Ed Berger from All Quiet on the Western Front is going to direct. I don't know if he's born, but like maybe there's there's a world where they figure sure, out. Sure, why not? Like kind of do it like what they were going to try doing with Mission, with Renner, but like better, where like if Damon wants to just hand the torch off, he comes back and then Glenn takes over. I think he'd be great in that role. So I, I, I still have confidence just because of how likable he is, the way Reynolds was just so likable that even when he was having misses, the industry wanted to work with him. So let's go. Who are you highest on for next year? Who are you lowest on? And I'll go first. I'm highest on Anya Taylor-Joy. I feel like the Furiosa trailer Ooh, looks great. Bastard stole my pick. I stole your pick? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Because like I'm with you. So they give me what she's got lined up. I mean, she had this huge breakout with uh, the chess show. Queen's Gambit. And now we're seeing the fruits of that a couple years later. So what has she got coming? Think of what Tom Hardy was pre-Mad Max and what he ended up... He slowed down a little bit, but like when that popped, he became like a movie star. People knew him. And while that film wasn't the moneymaker, I actually think this film, it benefits from Fury Road being such a like people found it after it left theaters even. And what Dude, it got like 10 Oscar nominations. Yeah, like, it was, like people thought it was going to win Best Picture. So I even think it only helps more. People know Furiosa. Like that's almost a brand unto itself. It's like, oh, you mean who they, who she was in, um, in like the Charlize role? Like she was my pick that this time next year, she is now Jen Lawrence level. Really? I think she's still a little weird though. Like do people relate to her? Like Jen Lawrence was like everybody's best friend. 
Is Anya Taylor Joy everyone's best friend? That will be the one thing is because like Anya doesn't have like the talk show moment where Jen just went on like Seth Meyers or Jimmy Fallon. Like she was just that good in the like promoting stuff. But I'm between that and the storage movie, those are the two things. Those are temp pulls, those are big budget things that are gonna get big marketing campaigns. She's my choice to really just get elevated. Maybe Jen Lawrence was a stretch, but I like maybe an Emily Blunt. It's all about how like the promotional stuff comes off. It'll be interesting with the fall guy coming out next year. That's the Ryan Gosling follow up from Barbie. How that does because that will kind of show where Ryan is in the industry right now. Post Barbie. Oh, are you kidding me? He's a huge star. I mean, he and Margot Robbie got the biggest bumps of the year, in my opinion. Chalamet maybe because he's now considered a star that can open a movie because Wonka opened okay, better than okay. And I feel like he's got Dune coming, and now they'll be able to leverage that to open Dune. Uh, but Dune also has Zendaya and Austin Butler and a bunch of other people, and it's IP. Timmy still has not opened a non-IP movie. And Gosling's about to do that with the Fall Guy. Yes, so. exactly. But Gosling's also 43 years old or 42 years old. Well, we can't do it. Like, Gosling's at, at this point established. He's over 35 and all stuff. But he, like, him and Nolan are kind of like, in my mind, the people that you put him in anything. Chris Nolan? Well, Nolan, Nolan is now, I think, the new Marvel after Oppenheimer. Yeah, except he makes one movie every four years. Sure. <laughs> You're <laughs> saying he's now the marquee director. He's Basically, he's Spielberg. Yes, he's grabbed that crown and put it on. So I have another one for like this time next year. I think by this time next year, Gladiator 2 comes out. And I think that's Paul Mezcal's Russell. Russell. Oh, see, I'm the opposite. I'm worried about Paul Mezcal. Really? Based on that film or other things? Based on Gladiator 2. I mean, think about it. The guy, I know it's not the same character, but everyone associates Gladiator with Russell Crowe. It was an Oscar-winning performance. The movie won Best Picture. It launched his career. And this feels like, we haven't seen any materials, but it feels like a rehash. An attempt to make another star out of this guy. And audience can, audiences can kind of sniff that. Can I counter on that a little bit? The difference sure. between what Gladiator was and what, what this is? There was just a different thing at that time. And really, if you look at that, I guess Joaquin was still kind of, but there was just no... There was no star power because of what where they were in their careers. It was just Ridley selling a film. That's true. The difference here is is that it's not Mezcal that will really be like the like oh he's in this. It's Denzel Washington is the co lead in this film. Like Denzel still's got pop. Denzel doing the gladiator sequel. Pedro Pascal is in this film. Like Pedro's in such an interesting moment that like to get him as the third lead. And I don't even know if he's that as well to sell this film. That is where I think it's different. And like, Norm, I'm with you because you look at the Napoleon numbers and all that stuff. It's, it's like Ridley is not the same thing. I think of all this together, it could help. That's my counter. Yeah, I guess. I just feel like they're putting Denzel there because they're worried about Paul Mescal. And they're worried about the heightened expectations of a sequel to an iconic film. Ridley is not Ridley anymore. He's in his 80s and... Napoleon was not good and did not do great. So it is what it is, but I'm a little worried about him. The irony of Gladiator is guess who had the script first? And really was also like, I, I would prefer not as big a star. Chalamet. I don't care what oh, Brian Richman really? says. Like, they were telling people at UTA, Timmy's getting this first. 
And he absolutely had the script first. I don't know where they stood, but he was the first choice by Paramount to at least have a star look at it. And they went to Paul instead because they really wanted someone not as established in that role, which is also probably why they did Denzel. So that's just like an interesting sliding door moment right there. Also, Timmy weighs like 125 soaking wet. Tom McLaughlin was also like 135 pounds when he did that in the 80s. So he picked the right franchise action-wise to, to do, I think, over Gladiator. All right. So who won the year for stars? Who's the pole position for, I, I hate to even say this because it's not even true, but the next Brad Pitt slash Julia Roberts. Who's winning the year in star power? Margo is the, the, is the choice. I mean. Yeah, Mar- Margo won the year. And Margot takes producing as seriously as she does acting. And that's how Barbie came to be what it was. She told Chuck Roven, I'm not moving off the date. She, like, the Ryan Gosling as Ken. I tracked that thing for six months. That was not a simple, oh, I'm doing this. That was a lot of pull and push. And I know behind the scenes, she was doing her best to, like, talk him into it. And he ultimately did. Like, she takes it seriously. But at the same time, she was the lead of the biggest movie of the year. Well, and consider where she was last year. She was starring in Babylon, RIP, poor one out for Babylon. Uh, and she had Amsterdam right before that. Two bombs in a row from prestige filmmakers. And we said it. I will give us credit. We actually said, do not cry for Margot Robbie. She is going to have a great 2023. And she did. Yeah. Listen, I appreciate risk. When you're just like doing the same thing with the same director over and over again, it gets a little watered down. I will give them the pass. You just got to find a way to rebound. This is like the Lily thing. Like, okay, Idol didn't work. Let's see what Nosferatu is. But yeah, and then I think um, the other element, the actor, I I think Chalamet with this Wonka thing find, working out when everyone thought it wouldn't, like he, he of the younger ones, again, is an interesting year because it was a lot of older actors with hits and misses and the youngers didn't have like the chance to shine quite as much. But with Wonka kind of being the last like, thing like most in recency bias in my taste i feel like i'm looking at the dailies it's doing like four or five million this week each day i think 200 million if that film does five to six hundred globally at the end of its run big win from what the cinema con so did he win the year did he and margo win the year yeah that's my pick who's your guy i was i was gonna say timmy yeah I mean, and then like Dune comes out in three months and I, I just think like the Wonka doing well only helps Dune even more. And then you got Austin and Florence in that movie as well. Like that, that was the Florence film, by the way. Like she was doing that this year and it got pushed. Same with Austin Butler. He had that in Bike Riders. The strike pushed all those things out. Some of those younger stars are going to see a lot of things go big in the first six months of next year. All right. So we will we will come back and take stock of this. We will hold ourselves accountable to this and um, see how our picks do. Thank you, Justin. Thanks, guys. All right, we are back with the call sheet. Craig, Happy New Year. Uh, did you see any movies over the break? I did. I saw a lot. I'm trying to catch up. I saw The Holdovers, which I loved. Immediately Excellent. a top five of the year for me. Yeah, love it. So yeah, it's been good. I still have not seen Killers of the Flower Moon because it's not out <laughs> You're yet holding out. on so Apple TV+. Plus. I'm not spending $28 on that. No, I, I will be watching it in installments when it drops on Apple TV+. Plus. I am holding out just like you are. So the box office over the holidays was okay. It was actually up over 2022, and that had Avatar in it. Um, as predicted on this show, Aquaman tanked, but Wonka did better. And like, basically the studios just threw a bunch of things at the kitchen sink 
And the overall number was up. Domestic box office got to $9 billion for the year, which is still down about 20% from pre-pandemic. But it is the highest grossing year since the pandemic. So things are looking up. Unfortunately, as we've mentioned on this show, 2024, not looking so great, especially the first couple months of the year. I'm looking at January and February right now, and it is bleak. And actually, my prediction today is we will not have a $300 million worldwide grocer until at least March of this year. How typical is that for January and February historically? Historically, it's not that unusual. But in the run up to the pandemic, the calendar was getting so crowded that Disney would put a Captain Marvel in February or Black Panther in January. Or there would be these breakouts that would happen earlier in the year. But I'm looking at the calendar for this year, and it's like movies like Night Swim, which is a horror movie. The Beekeeper, which is like a Jason Mean Statham. Girls the Musical. Mean Girls the Musical, which actually may do okay. Mm-hmm. You know, this was originally perceived as a direct-to-streaming movie. There's Argyle, which is the Matthew Vaughn movie that looks kind of fun. Apple's uh, behind that one, and Universal's releasing it. The one that I think could do okay if it's good, is the Bob Marley movie, which is coming out over the Valentine's weekend in February. That one, I mean, Bob Marley has a huge global audience. It could do pretty well if it's good. Don't know. It's authorized by the family, so all the music is in it. Uh, Then there's our favorite superhero movie, Madam Web, with Dakota Johnson and Sidney Sweeney. That is also that same weekend. Um, Don't think that one is going to resonate and get to 300. And then Nothing really until we have Dune Part 2 at the beginning of March. And then March has some good movies with like Kung Fu Panda 4, Ghostbusters, Frozen Empire. I say good, meaning they'll probably have an audience worldwide. Don't know if they're actually going to be good movies, although Dune looks great. But this is a bleak couple months coming up. Yeah, and I I think that we're going to look back on 2023 and, and recognize that it was actually a very great year for movies. You think so? I do, especially relative to 2024. But I think down the road, we're going to look back at, at this past year and realize uh, that it was very underrated. Huh, interesting, because a lot of the movies that people thought would be high performers this past year just didn't. You know, things like Indiana Jones and Mission Impossible and like the big franchises. But I agree, there were a lot of smaller movies that ended up being surprises and obviously Barbenheimer. And then we have the Challengers in April, which I think uh, is... I know, you're into that poster. The Zendaya poster just came out, and it's a very almost famous vibe with her. I know, I love it. And the sunglasses. Um, It's just hilarious that this was originally conceived as a three-way movie with all three of them kind of getting equal billing. And finally, Amazon, which now owns MGM, got smart, and they're like, wait a second. Zendaya's in this movie? Let's just put her on the poster. That's ridiculous. How was that not the plan from the beginning? (laughs) I don't know. She has a say in this, obviously. She may not have wanted to be the face of the movie that she signed up for to be part of a, you know, an ensemble. But I think even her team has got to recognize that to sell this movie, they need her up front. Yeah. And this is the movie that Zendaya got $10 million to star in, a big milestone for her. All right, that's the show for today. I want to thank my guest, Justin Kroll, producer Craig Horlbeck, our editor, Jesse Lopez, and I want to thank you. We will see you later this week.